0: what a powerful song um, Man, Scott introduced me to that Monday and uh, I as I was, just an incredible song I you know I hear a lot people talk about old hymns and new hymns and like the new hymns just don't have the same depth man that is there is a lot of theological wealth in that song and I'm going to preach about it today uh, hang on to that song because that's not the last time you'll sing it today and we're going to, they're going to come back out at the end, and we're going to sing that again after we look at this story that we're looking at today. Uh, first, I got, I got to do just a little bit of church business, because I realized um, after I sat down that I forgot, and it would be the second Sunday in a row that I forgot, I forgot to mention the offering. So uh, I, I don't have a slide or anything ready for it or anything like that, but I was supposed to say that in the welcome and in the cast. I forgot it. But we do encourage you, if you give it online, Go ahead and do that. It's, uh, you go to the Simple Give app or you go to murrayhills.com forward slash give or the number is 931-218-6063. And uh, you can save that number in your phone and that's, that's, those are the simplest ways uh, to give. If you're given actual physical checks, you can drop that uh, in the buckets as you leave today. So uh, last Sunday something happened to me that, that hasn't happened to me before. And I've been preaching here at this church for 16 years and almost 16 i think october will be 16 years but in all that time i've never had somebody say to me what they said to me last sunday and it was such it was a comment that like when they said it i stopped and looked at. i had to look them in the eye and like are they joking are they being sarcastic are they being serious And i think they were being serious i couldn't see the joke but um <clears throat> They it was in the back lobby or front lobby wherever and I was I was walking out and they said hey that was a good sermon today Russ but it was too short uh, <laughs> you remember that and, and I'm like wait what, really what? what like nobody's ever told me that I preached too short like I've heard that was too long and I've heard you know, that was too confusing. I've heard oh, you were totally wrong this morning. I've heard all those things, but nobody's ever told me it was too short. And uh, I'm not going to tell you who said it. His initials are Scott Arnold, but I'm not going to mention who it is. And and I was like, hey brother, I can fix that. Like that that's, the, that's an easy fix. I'll take care of that this coming Sunday. And uh, so some of you are like, Scott, what is the matter with you? Uh, but in, in all seriousness, I, I've been trying to preach shorter messages because We're in this weird season where most folks are online, and our attention spans are a little bit different online uh, than they are when we're in the room together. And also, we got kids in the room, and so I've been mindful of the kids in the room. But I I promise you, I'm going to make a pledge to Scott. You know, as people start coming back to in-person services, and, and they are, we got a pretty good group in here this morning, so as people start coming back... And uh, when we restart children's ministry, which we're looking at right after fall break, we got a tentative date right after fall break, I promise I'll preach longer messages once that happens. So uh, uh, that's my pledge to you, brother. <laughs> and I may have killed our whole reopening plan at that point right there. People like, well, we'll stop coming then. Um, no, I, I am going to, today, I have to preach just a little bit longer message. And that's why I'm starting there, because we got a lot of ground to cover today and I'm going to try to cover it as quickly as I can but uh, this week's reading is a big reading so last week we're we're doing a reading called the story we're using a book called the story I forgot my book it's in the sound booth but uh, if you if you want to join in with us it's not too late we've only read the first two chapters so we read chapters one and two which covered the first 38 39 chapters of of Genesis and then today, or this week, we're going to read chapters three, four, five, and 6, which covers the rest of Genesis, all of Exodus, all of Deuteronomy, all of Viticus, and all of Numbers. And uh, that, this is the largest reading we've got. That sounds daunting, but we're only talking about 60 pages in the book. So we're, it's four chapters. This is the only time, I think, in the whole reading schedule that you're going to be asked to read four chapters. But uh, you can read them in one sitting. I, I read them in one sitting. It's, uh, it's really, really fascinating And interesting um history. And so I've got a I've got to cover just a little bit of ground today, but I want to set it up by walking backwards just a little bit. So one of the things that's been difficult to me when you go through the Old Testament, one of the hard things is like trying to keep up with the characters. Like there's so much information in here, and how do you kind of connect the dots on the story? And um so what, what I've tried to do is, and actually on page 488 in your book, if you'll go back in the 488, there's a list of characters in order of appearance. And I actually think that's helpful. And so what I've done in the series is I've tried to say, you know, we're, the beginning, the, the, last week, the beginning is from Adam to Abraham. And then today we're talking about the Exodus, which is from Joseph to Moses. And then next week we're talking about the beginning of a nation, which is from Joshua to Ruth. So that character list in the back of the book is really helpful because you can kind of keep straight, you know, like who's where and when and when do they appear and how important are they and all that kind of stuff. Because uh, especially when you start getting into the, the wives and, and the, I mean, it's just, it gets really confusing. If you Google Abraham's family tree, Uh, and I googled that this week because I was going to show you Abraham's family tree and they were so complicated like it was there was so much information on there and I asked Scott if he would just make me a graphic so let's let's go back to Abraham real quick okay I want to just just kind of progress through uh, these characters to get us to the story today so Abraham is the father of Israel. You know, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. If you grew up going to vacation Bible school, you sang that song. That was not just an empty song. I mean, there's some theological truth there. Abraham is the father of the nation of Israel. He's actually, the the three main religions, uh, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity, all trace lineage back to Abraham. But, um, For the Hebrew people, Abraham is the the great patriarch of the nation of Israel. And uh, God made a covenant with Abraham that he would make him a great nation. He would make his descendants a great nation. God promised him to make his descendants like the stars of the sky. That's in Genesis chapter 12. So Abraham and his wife Sarah, the fulfillment of that covenant, the beginning, was Isaac. Isaac uh, is kind of the second major patriarch in uh, Israel. And he is his birth is considered miraculous because he was born to Sarah in her old age, probably somewhere in her nineties. Which, yeah, try to wrap your mind around that. So it is it is a miraculous birth. And of course, Abraham didn't trust God in his fulfillment of the promises. Abraham tried to take care of it on his own, and uh, there's a, that's a whole other story. But but Isaac is the c- continues this lineage of Abraham. That's the fulfillment of the promise, the covenant that uh, God has offered Abraham, and uh, so Ab- Isaac's the second major patriarch, and he marries Rebekah. they have two children, Jacob and Esau. Uh, Esau's actually the oldest, Jacob steals his birthright, That's, you read about that this week, and so Jacob then becomes kind of the, the, the chosen one through whom the, Abraham's descendants will continue to um, <clears throat> become this great nation and so jacob's the third major patriarch and it's important that you know those three names because in this week's reading god will refer to himself as the god of abraham isaac and jacob multiple times god refers to himself as the god of abraham isaac and jacob and that's important to the people of israel because that is they would know all of those names those those are the three major patriarchs those are the founding fathers of their nation and religion so they would know those names but it's also God's way of reminding his people of his fulfillment of and his faithfulness to his promises. Because when he says, I'm the God of Abraham, they remember the covenant he made with Abraham. When they say, I'm the God of Isaac, they remember, you know, they, they, they remember these names. And they remember how God has been faithful through the generations, these descendants of Abraham. And that gets us all the way down uh, to Jacob, who had 12 sons. So Jacob's name is changed to Israel, and Israel had 12 sons, and those 12 sons became, the descendants of those 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel. You, when you look at that list of names, you're familiar with some of them. Like you see Levi on there, and some of you may know or remember that you know, the, the priests were Levites, so they descended from the tribe of Levi. Uh, Moses and Aaron descended from the tribe of Levi. You see the tribe of Judah and that ought to make you think one of the uh, name for Jesus is the Lion of Judah because the, Jesus traces his lineage back to the tribe of Judah. But of all of those 12 sons, and I can't even pronounce all of those names so I'm not going to try to. Scott did an incredible job pronouncing all of the, the land flowing with milk and honey. I would have skipped over all those names so he had to have googled that before he got up here. But um, I'm not going to try the 12 names, it's the 11th son that's the most famous, and that's Joseph, and uh, he's famous for multiple reasons, the biggest is the whole second half of the book of Genesis is dedicated to the story of Joseph, I'm going to give you a a cliff notes version and you'll read the full story when you read, Uh, Joseph is the favorite son of Jacob, now, in, in our day and age, if we have favorite children, we don't tell the other children, right? And so I mean, if you've got a favorite child, you know it's better not to tell the other children who your favorite is. Uh, apparently, Jacob didn't know this, or uh, there was a different custom in that day and time. But Jacob told not only Joseph that he was his favorite, and he was his favorite because he was born to him in an old age, and he was born to him to his wife that he loved, Rachel, it's the firstborn of her. But he told Joseph, you're my favorite. And he told all his brothers, Joseph's my favorite, and he did it by giving him this coat of many colors. And so his brothers were naturally a little resentful about this. Uh, Joseph was also a little bit, I want to say he's arrogant. I don't know if it was arrogant or just naive, but you can read his story and you can decide for yourself. But Joseph, there's a little bit of like, not just the coat that gets under their skin, but kind of Joseph's attitude gets under their skin a little bit. So one day, uh, Jacob sends out Joseph to the fields to check on his brothers, and uh, he says, you know, the brothers see him coming and say, okay, we're going to kill him. And I know that's abrupt, right? but I mean, we're going to kill him. So they decide to to kill their younger brother. They throw him in a cistern, and I I don't know what they're waiting on, but they throw him in a cistern and they wait. One of the older brothers convinces all the other ones, no, let's have some compassion, let's just sell him into slavery and uh, fake his death to jacob her father and so that's what they did and joseph ends up going to egypt as a slave and through a series of providential events and you'll read all about that this week he ends up becoming he moves from slave to second in charge in egypt and it's really this incredible story of how god takes this bad situation and turns it into a good situation and so Joseph ends up being he, he interprets a dream for the Pharaoh and it's a dream about famine and he saves all of Egypt from famine but he also saves all of his brothers and his father from famine because they all come to Egypt to escape the famine and Joseph reveals himself to them and it's this it's, it's a really powerful story as, as Joseph rescues not only the nation of Egypt but he rescues the nation of Israel. Now, the reason Joseph's story is so important is because it explains how the Israelites ended up in Egypt. And the fact that the Israelites ended up in Egypt is really, really important to the rest of the Old Testament. Like, that's you need to know they ended up in Egypt and, and the event that happened to get them out of Egypt is critical to, to their story. It's this pivotal event in their story. The other reason I think Joseph's story is told that way is to remind us, that even when other people intend things for bad, even when we suffer at the hands of other people or there are consequences at the actions of other people, and Joseph suffered that not only of his brothers, but from Potiphar's wife and uh, from the people he was in prison with that you know, didn't fulfill their promises. Like multiple times in Joseph's life, he was let down by people. But the ultimate, like at the very end, Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, there's this verse right here, and this is Joseph speaking. And it's kind of his summary of the book of Genesis. His summary of his story is, you intended to harm me, talking to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So all through the Old Testament, you're going to see this story of redemption being repeated over and over and over again. How man sins, God redeems. Man does evil, God rescues. Man wanders off. God delivers like over and over. This story just keeps getting repeated. And Joseph says, "You know, this it was intended for bad, but God has turned around and used it for good." And nowhere is that more evident than in the next story. And it's the major story um, in the in the next, but second book of the Bible. It's the major story, and this is kind of the theme. It's kind of setting it up. So the end of Genesis is kind of setting up like. You think God did this through the story of Joseph, just watch what he does now through the entire nation. So you fast forward 400 years, and uh, 400 years later, Joseph is uh, dead and gone, and all his brothers are dead and gone, and his father, Jacob, Israel, is dead and gone. Uh, The Pharaoh is dead and gone, and a new Pharaoh arises in Egypt that doesn't remember Joseph. Joseph. So he doesn't remember all the ways that Joseph you know, heroically saved his country, because this has been generations, generations, generations have happened. And the new Pharaoh looks out and sees the people of Israel, and he sees a threat. Because the people of Israel have done what God promised they would do. They were fruitful and multiplied over four centuries. And so they've risen into this great, huge people group. Not a nation themselves, they live within the nation of Egypt but the pharaoh is threatened like his power is threatened by the israelites and so he decides to do two things he decides to uh, enslave them and then he decides to uh, man we got kids in the room but hey this is just this there's dark parts of the story then he decides to kill all the children under the age of two males all the hebrew males um and so he enacts this this plan and there's one Lady who defies him. She de- she's a descendant of the tribe of Levi, and she takes her son and puts him in a basket and puts him in the reeds in the Nile River. And Pharaoh's own daughter. I mean, it's just the story is just incredible when you stop and think about it. Pharaoh's own daughter comes down to the river with her attendants. She finds the baby. She decides to keep the baby. She goes to find a Hebrew woman to nurse the baby, which happens to be his own mother. And so they all move into the palace of the Pharaoh. And so Pharaoh, what Pharaoh intended as harm, I'm going to wipe out all of the male children of the Hebrews. God rescues and redeems this one and uses it for good and the saving of many people. Because many of you are familiar with that story. You know that story. That baby's name was Charlton Heston. And and he grew up and took over the NRA. And uh no, no. Alright, that, that baby's name was what? Moses, right? The baby's name was Moses. And I'm sorry, I could not resist that joke. I had to go for it, and you guys thankfully laughed. Um, <laughs> that's just scary. I'm going to get off his picture now. So, no, Moses, I'm not going to tell Moses' story, because most of us know the story of Moses, and you'll read about it in chapter 4. But, Mo, I mean, we, there's so many iconic parts to the story of Moses. So if you take, like, Abraham as this major character in the Old Testament, and then Moses is the second really major character in the Old Testament. And it actually continues through the New Testament. You need to understand who Moses is to understand uh, the, the New Testament. There's a lot of the New Testament that references how Jesus is greater than Moses, which is an incredible statement because Moses is this great hero of the Jewish faith and we're all familiar, you know, we're familiar with the basket, you know, in the, in the reeds, the baby in the basket, um, the ten plagues, what are the, the, the parting of the Red Sea, the Ten Commandments and Mount Sinai and all of the, you know, all of these different elements of Moses, but Moses is the leader of the Exodus and that's, that's ultimately where we want to get to today and in this reading. He's the leader of the Exodus. The Exodus is God's rescuing. Just like he promised, that reading we had right before the message, God was calling Moses to lead his people out of Egypt and out of slavery. And Moses was reluctant to go. But God said, I will go with you. And so Moses goes and confronts the Pharaoh. Pharaoh ultimately decides to let the people go. And uh, that's where you have the Exodus. The Exodus is, like I said, it's this pivotal event in the history of the nation of Israel. It's like in every nation there's a there's this in every nation there's a an identity defining event if you will. Like in America we have the Declaration of Independence. So that's not just a historical event that we go, "Oh yeah, Declaration of I think that happened back there, but nobody knows when it happened." No, we all know when it happened. We all know July 4th. We have festivals every year to commemorate July 4th. And it's not just that we remember it as this past event, it's part of our identity today. Like, you know, we value independence. We value individuality. We value freedom. You know, that's why we won't wear a mask, because Declaration of Independence. You know, I mean it it becomes part of our our national identity, a core of who we are. You know, that's a value in our system. Well for Hebrews, the Exodus was that pivotal event. The Passover was something they celebrated every year and they remembered the exodus and they taught their children about the exodus and it shaped their identity as a people and the the core principle the core value that came out of the exodus was not you know their independence but actually their dependence the main theological point of the exodus is right here god is the ultimate deliverer god is the ultimate deliverer so you see this all through the story like you know man sins and god god delivers You know, man wanders off and God delivers. And and throughout this reading, I want you to notice this. I just hope you'll kind of keep this big idea in mind. As you read chapters 3 through 6, notice how many times you read about God delivering his people. God delivering His people, God saving His people, God rescuing His people. He delivers them through the, through the ten plagues. He you know convinces Pharaoh to let His people go. Uh, he delivers them through the Passover and the passing over of the homes that had the blood of the lamb smeared upon their door. And uh, He remembers them through, delivers them by parting the Red Sea, delivers them with the, the cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Uh, delivers them by providing manna for them to eat and quail for them to eat. And when they're thirsty, there's water that comes from the rock. I mean, all through this story, this whole story, this whole exodus, is every story within it reinforces God is the deliverer. God is the deliverer. When Moses steps up and says, no, I'll take it from here, God, no, you can't can't substitute yourself for God. God is the deliverer. It just keeps being repeated throughout it. And it's a theme that goes throughout the Old Testament, goes throughout the New Testament, and if you just listen to that song, it continues today. The, ex, the, the, the symbolism, the idea of Egypt and the exodus, I wrote down, I wasn't sure I'd remember it. <clears throat> I won't forget the wonder of how you brought deliverance. Do you hear that in that very first verse of that song? I won't forget the wonder of how you brought deliverance, the exodus of my heart. You found me, you freed me, you held back the waters for my release, O Yahweh.